Are you a professional optimised business? Time to look at Northern Peugeot Bandura to further professionalise your fleet with their updated commercial van range. The team at Northern Peugeot Bandura can help customise your fleet to your business needs. Stock arriving now, so secure your van and beat the rush before the end of financial year madness. Visit northernpeugeot.com.au or call 9119-9008. TNC Supply. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Welcome. Another episode of State of Our Football Nation coming up. Pakua Frimpong is my co-partner, co-host, supplier of all the technology on the planet and currently driving the ship without an official licence. That is dangerous stuff indeed. Pakua, welcome to uh, the program. How are you? Big week? I'm doing good, George. It's uh, been an exciting week of football again and... uh I'm looking forward to talk about it. And interestingly, the the thing that I want to know about is um, how excited were you when you saw some of the scores that emerged from the under twenty three competition? Absolutely, it was it was it's really promising considering that first game where it didn't go particularly Correct. well. Very um, tight result yeah, though, one nil yeah. to Vietnam. Yeah, I, I think maybe the boys maybe weren't. They hadn't clicked into that yep. mindset, yeah, which can happen early in tournaments. So Argentina at the World Cup, and but up those big these score lines were uh, phenomenal to see, and it's good to see the young players stepping up. Obviously, the opponents are at a different level, but it's not really about that. It's about developing, you know, good football acumen and your playing ability, and I think it's important for that. I thought the game against uh, Qatar that uh, the young the young boys uh, scored nine goals after falling behind in the opening seconds from an own goal, I thought to myself, now that I, you either drop your bundle or you pick up the stocks, understand how good you are and just get on with it. And I've got to say, young Rodriguez Borges from uh, Melbourne City, um, the young Adelaide boy, how good is he? Yeah, I know he comes from great stock. I know he has super DNA, but he terrorised everything that was going on on the right-hand side of that field. And opened up so many scoring opportunities. And from your perspective, I know how much you enjoy when players attack the ball or yeah. attack the the, the defence. Uh, and every time he took the ball, he just went for it. Yeah, uh, he's a he's an incredible player. And I've been a big fan of him, you know, at his time at City. And I, I just want to see those kind of players progress. And I, I think doing that in on a, on a international stage is really important for their sure. development to build confidence and you get to take that back to you know your domestic competition maybe he's not playing as frequently as he would like but to get caught up for the national team and to do excel and do really really well that can only make your stocks rise and leave questions for the city team to be like should we play more i was going to say it's a balancing act isn't it do you let them play uh, do you give them the opportunity do you make them earn it, it i've always thought you have to earn it yeah and you and I are, agree that there is no age limit. If you're good enough, you're old enough. Yeah. Yeah. And they're starting to really uh, show their skills. And what thrilled me was the manner of the win. They attacked. They went with verve. And we've heard cri- people criticise for for ages and ages and ages the young Australian national teams about how they lack endeavour, they lack excitement, and they lack adventure. Well, all of those things were on show. Yeah, they were. And 
And that's what you want to see. We, we want to see that from the younger age groups to know that the, the pipeline to the Socceroos, we're going to have tremendous players available for us so we can have a World Cup better than the last World Cup and continue to excel as a nation in terms of the way we play football, our style of football and the, the football characters that we create who are not just uh, incredibly physical and, and athletic but also incredibly intelligent on the football field and make really smart decisions and we're seeing, we're seeing, you know, little step by step yeah, little gain there. And when we see that at a younger, the younger level, it's only promising things for the future of the stories. Um, now you do a lot of calling for Paramount Plus. It's been a very interesting year. You've been calling the A League Women's, the Liberty League, uh, back in competition after, of course, the Matilda matches. Uh, what have you made of last week's games? Uh, last week's games were interesting. We saw. I'm trying to think about the results. Uh, Hannah Wilkinson's back. Yeah, Hannah Wilkinson's back. But I, I think the biggest story is that Holly McNamara's back, who for me is one of the best. I know you get excited. Yeah. Yeah, I she, look at your face oh, when you mention no, McNamara. But, like, but I, I, I think that in football, there are wingers who are incredibly athletic yep. and eventually at a certain point, the athleticism, it will fade away. Sure. But intelligence to know which pass to make and to make your teammates better, that is something that Holly McNamara has at a really young age and I think she adds another dimension to Melbourne City's uh, attack in. They've they've looked a little bit depleted uh, while Cote Rojas is gone, but now yep. they're both back and it's it's phenomenal. And uh, we saw Sydney FC comfortably beat Western United as well. So West Sydney FC have you know they're almost certain to finish Premier, which would be the first time anyone's done that in the competition. So it's very exciting. Uh, a lot of interesting football news. We've noticed um, that uh, very very shortly we've got another special guest joining us. The head of the referees from Football Australia, his name is Nathan McGillney, will be joining us in just a moment, and we're thrilled to have him on board. But I just want to run past you. What did you make of the news that Johnny Aloisi is staying at Western United? Uh, I think it was expected. Yeah. Uh, I don't think. I think that when you when you make a decision about extending a coach or getting rid of them, you need to know if there are better options for them out there. And I sure. don't think Western United. I think they looked at the market and said there isn't a better coach available at the moment. So we need to stick with what we know and, and build from here. And and I and hopefully they can get back to last season's form and get back to where, you know, they've been. They've been really competitive side in their seasons. They've been in the competition and hopefully in the, the two-year extension, he can continue to do that. And the other thing at the Western United side or at the club is the uh, the advent of their women's team, which has been a, a couple of years in the making, and importantly, just how well it continues to play. Yeah, uh, the tough weekend for them losing to Sydney FC, but... Again, a very tight result, but, but, though. But, uh, yeah, but also, it doesn't really matter. Like they've exceeded every expectation. If if somebody tells me Western United just miss out on finals or Western United make finals, it doesn't really matter because what they've done in their first season has has been exceptional and has exceeded every single expectation everybody else has set. And this is a great indicator of why you should have strong foundations before you build clubs. Because gotcha. when you have strong foundations with them having links to Calder, it allows this to flourish because you've got good connectivity with the players and the coach and it makes it so much easier to build when you've got a strong foundation. Uh, before we talk about uh, the number of teams that have put their hand up for the National Second Division, the number uh, everyone's talking about is 32 and that's uh, remarkable. 
Now we've got to see how it coagulates and how it fits and how it all comes together. But 32 clubs across Australia have put their hand up to be part of this national second division. Um, one of the things they're going to have to sort out is refereeing for the second yeah. division too. Yeah. Let's find out from the head of referees at Football Australia. Um, let's welcome Nathan McGill, who joins us um, via Zoom. Uh, Nathan, welcome. Thanks for having me, George. Our pleasure. It always is um, a, a real delight to get uh, anyone from Football Australia to talk to us about the game because it, it's evolving and and um, coalescing at different rates at different levels. What's the what What's the news mean to you as the head of referees? You have an enormous responsibility to make sure that, one, we promote the sort of culture that allows the next generation of youngsters, that is, young referees, to come through, male and female. And does this give you a new pathway where you can, again, test the waters and bring through talent in a slightly different fashion? Absolutely, George. I think any time new football competitions become available... um, we look at how we can, you know, formulate pathways for match officials to get more exposure before heading into, you know, past the NPL mark into professional football. So um, the news around 32 teams being interested, for instance, in the national second tier is an exciting time for Australian football. Um, And our referees are probably the most excited because now it opens up a new avenue to be exposed to, to quality football outside of their NPL competitions but then also show their wares to try and crack into the professional system as well. I was just going to say, I'm glad you touched on that um, because it's a, it's a job as well um, for, for, for the better referees. We saw Sean Evans, for example, notch up 151 games or 150 the other day. Uh, and I, a couple of things I, in that game that I thought were really interesting, we'll run through them. But does a, a national second additional, uh, sorry, does the arrival of a national second tier mean more opportunities for more refereeing for more referees to actually um, officiate in games, which means they can instead of being available for one or two games a week, they might have to be available for four or five. Yeah, I think that's a great question, George, because I'm not sure we've got the the blueprint just yet to know exactly what it looks like. Sure, sure. We're only just pushing it up there for observation and conversation. No, no, and I think it's it's you know probably presents two two opportunities for us. It's one to give more of our experienced referees in the A League more match minutes because there is only just as as, just as we do with players. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Boosting match minutes is a key priority of our department um, to build experience and to build. You know, every game brings a different situation, so that that's a good learning. You can only learn uh, during a match as opposed to just training minutes. Uh, but the other opportunities that it presents too is we've got a steady flow of talented match officials coming through from the member federations who are do- doing a great job in recruiting and then retaining them and pushing them through to the top tier of men's and women's NPL, but these competitions then produce not only, you know, another condensed level of football, so, uh, you know, obviously less teams means um, more competition uh, in the sense of competitive football, but then also the ability to referee under pressure, to travel, to get used to different conditions outside of their home centre. So, um, as I said, very exciting times. We're we're in the process of um, looking to launch a refreshed pathway in the next couple of weeks with our refereeing cohort 
um, which includes some exciting initiatives, which we hope will um, refresh the refereeing pathway. How fantastic. Um, I, I hope we get a chance to have a discussion about that too when you roll them out. Um, let me go back to Sean Evans. I was at Amy Park. Uh, it was the Melbourne City game against, uh, was it um, uh, was it MacArthur? Sydney, uh, I believe. Oh, Sydney. Sorry, you're right. Sydney FC. And uh, Sean had to run off the field. Apparently, he had been told that that something was required. He had to have a look. He ran off the field, went to the sideline, checked the monitor, and then came back onto the field and offered up a yellow card to one of the players. It might have been Aidan O'Neill. Now, we're seeing more subtle shifts. Uh, we're seeing in the uh, English Premier League, of course, uh, a number of uh, you know different ways of officiating. We saw an English referee uh, in a very tough game in, a, in an edgy derby, uh, hand out a number of yellow cards, but before they did that, they offered up a red card, and then they offered up the yellow cards, and then they were called to the sideline to review the red card, only to discover that the, re- the red card was possibly too harsh a decision, so they waved the red card away and gave the player a yellow card. You must be sitting there thinking to yourself, now that's novel, that's new. Um, are we are we constantly reviewing? And I'm, when I say the we, is it you at the top end of the tree in that supervisor in that supervisory capacity, always reviewing the? And I know you review all the matches, but you're now even reviewing the way they handle and hand out decisions. Look, to be honest, George, I'm lucky in the sense that we've got a coaching team that does the match review, and and more of my role is around you know, our delivery, how we can enhance the process, how we deliver um, strong communication. So yep. in, in my role, it is it is a unique role in the sense that, yes, we do look at how the VAR is implemented. We have a look at how that would be communicated. Uh, obviously, something that we're quite um, big believer in is obviously working with FIFA to deliver live communications to the fans um, at home and in the stadium. So as part of that, that's going to take a little bit of pressure off the the decision-making process because the referees will be articulating their decisions as they happen. Um, we we believe, well, progress was first shown in the Club World Cup recently in Morocco. We believe that, um, well, from the discussions I've had with FIFA, the pilot or the first, first wave of trials has been deemed a success and we're looking forward to rolling out the next phase um, as soon as practically possible. So, but definitely something we look at, George. And I think um, every time I watch a game and see something a little bit different, the first thought is, "This is going to be fun to try and explain <laughs> this from to global leagues." Well, Nathan, you you spoke about it just before, but in terms of obviously the review system with the referees, uh, I think a lot of fans would know. But what is what does that actually entail in terms of is it like one on one or is it like obviously you've got that coaching team? How does that kind of actually work? The the reviewing of uh, of referees after a game? Yeah, it's a great question. It's something that we refined this year to become more a one-on-one uh, basis with each match official. That's the referee and both assistant referees uh, in the VAR from each match to, to review their roles in the, in the match. So as part of that, every one of our coaching team of um, four part-time coaches, they watch every game. Uh, splits it up across the weekend. Everyone watches both men's and women's. 
So it's the same coaching process for both our leagues because we believe in driving the same development with all of our match officials. Um, so they'll watch their game. They'll take some notes. There's someone who data codes the game for us, whether it's a correct free kick or an incorrect yellow card or an incorrect red card. That builds a base of video clips and statistics from each performance. And then the coach meets with that match official um, on a Monday or a Tuesday, depending on the date of their game over the weekend. And they go through and they just they have a discussion between both parties. So the coach will lead it from um, from their perspective, but then the match official who would reflect on their performance goes, I think I could have improved here. I actually think I did really well here. So it becomes a actually a coaching conversation, which is very different to when I say came through the system, which was very much an assessment based. You'd have someone sitting there saying, um, this is what you did right and this is what you did wrong. We're starting to evolve that. No different to coaching any other athlete. Um, it, it's got to be an open dialogue and it's got to be a discussion to get the best out of our athletes. So what you're saying is it's more than ever before, it's a to and fro instead of, you know, the teacher and the pupil. Yeah, very much so, George, because I think the the important part is the referees have the feeling on the ground. Yep. They're the ones who know why they, you know, the, the skill in refereeing, yep. particularly in, in professional football, is when to give a yellow card, when not to give a yellow card, when to impose yourself and when to let the game flow. So obviously... By dissecting that with the referees, we understand why they do things. And when we understand why, we can prescribe either a way to solve it or to maintain that behaviour. So definitely the discussion is critical in that conversation. What about thresholds? We've seen some major changes to the thresholds in the game in the EPL. Two years ago and and last year, to get a penalty or a handball was almost de rigueur. Uh, this year, not so much. We're, we're seeing a lot of handballs. Uh, again, some that may well have been given um, uh, a couple of years ago uh, and some that were definitely would have been given last year. But now they're saying, no, no, wasn't enough there. Let's play on. So mm. talking thresholds, for example, are we constantly looking at that in, in the game at A-League level, both men's and women's in Australia? Is that part of what you do in the supervisory capacity each and every week? Yeah, so each week, George, I, I watch every 11 matches per week, both yep. across the men's and women's, so I, I watch everything, wow. um, which is the great part of the job, getting to watch a lot of football. <laughs> um, but by by Monday, we're ready to, to make some decisions. But, yeah, threshold is, is the word that we constantly talk about, you know, the expectation of the fans versus enforcing the laws of the games consistently. Um, we spoke a lot at the beginning of the year about protecting player safety and making sure skillful yes. players were being yes. looked after, which ultimately has seen a shift in the way that red cards had been given um, for, for lunging challenges and those of a studs-up to quote um, what's screamed mostly on the field at the referees, those type of challenges have been heavily policed, uh, which was an agreement we struck with the clubs, the APL and the referees department, which was critical. But we understand there's going to be times that we fall below that threshold. And I think there's times where also from our coaching team and myself, we can be a little bit clearer as well. So it's, it's like any team, it's like any club, as the season goes, you evolve and, and you talk and you discuss and you see what the reaction is like and you understand um, not only what our perspective is, what the club's perspective is, but then you've also got to take into consideration professionally what the fans expect within the game because, with you know, that's the beauty of football. It's it's a fan-driven sport. Well, Nathan, it's really interesting you speak of that, but in terms of 
the pathway for, for referees because obviously, you know, it's great whether we have on the top level that there's those models there to ensure that those referees are constantly getting better. But how does that affect the obviously like lower tiers and in in terms of like the MPL referees and even state league referees that we're constantly having a pathway? Is it the model kind of the same for everybody throughout or is that something that you guys are looking at doing so it's more streamlined that when people do get to working in the A-Leagues, they've kind of they're, already... They're as well-prepared as possible. They're well-prepared mm, and things like mm, that. Good question. Yeah, it's a great question because I think, you know, when you talk, look at the Australian football landscape, there's there's varying competitions across the country, whether you're in Victoria, New yep. South Wales, Queensland, South Australia, where I'm based, WA, et cetera, Tassie. Um, there, there's varying different competitions, very different opportunities. There's obviously different levels of depth and registered numbers across each of those centres. One of the things we're trying to look at with the the refresh of the national pathway is to have a centralised, um, centralised, you know, setup that's within our department that can provide a consistent mechanic for coaching and developing the best young talent in Australia. Um, and obviously providing that consistent messaging, which means having more access to our coaching staff, to myself, having, you know, more direction from what we're setting as the, the threshold, as George said. So, um, Certainly something we're conscious of, and I think it's been, you know, COVID had that impact where a lot of pathway programs shut down over that time, and now we're starting to see um, those kick back off again. So now it's about, yeah, leveraging that and using every opportunity we can, um, not only for player development, but then obviously using those for ref development and how we can use technology um, to drive, you know, we've obviously most games now filmed around the NPL, Um We've got access to every NPL match in the country in yeah, our database, which is, which is fully data clipped for me. So in the sense that if someone said to me there's an emerging referee in um, Victoria and you need to see that referee, three clicks later I've got it on my phone and I can see um, the referee in action from an NPL match, men's or women's. Isn't that fantastic that you've got te- technology now taking us to another level and giving us a chance to streamline so many things and as we, we talk about players, we want consistency from them. Referees, of course, you are demanding that because we've got a Women's World Cup coming up. Uh, anything special in the wind with that, uh, with that in mind? By the way, we're talking to the head of referees from Football Australia, Nathan McGill, and we thank him very much for joining us once again. Um, World Cup, Women's World Cup getting closer and closer, and the smile on Pakur Frimpong's face just gets broader and broader, Nathan. Look, it's a very, very exciting time for Australian football. Um, obviously, the Combank Matildas are extremely successful um, at the moment, doing really well in the Cup of Nations tournament. But equally, our, our match officials are also performing very, very strongly um, in the lead-up to the Women's World Cup. We've got a number of our um, contracted match officials from the A-League men's and A-League women's heading to that um, tournament now. Since we last spoke, we've got Kate Jakowitz, Casey Rybelt, Joanna Kashaktis, me, Sook Park, Anna-Marie Kylie from New Zealand and Sarah Jones. Wow. So a large cohort from our competitions representing um, both nations um, at the tournament, which for us it's our largest ever cohort selected for a Women's World Cup. And equally we're really excited about how we're going to help build them up to be ready for that tournament. Nathan, in terms of like those names that you've just mentioned, how did that the selection process go up? Do do you uh, do you guys recommend them to to FIFA or do FIFA just select them? Like, how does that selection process actually work? 
look, we could probably talk about the selection process, I think, for a couple of hours. <laughs> it's that. Um, but in a, in a uh, quite a good summary, I would say that it, it's obviously a lot through the AFC pathway because it's continental football. We nominate um, four female referees and four female assistant referees to FIFA every year who are the best performers in the Australian um, National League competitions. Um, Kate, Casey uh, and Joanna also officiate on the men's league as well as part of their World Cup preparation. But they then go into you know continental championships such as the Women's Asian Cup, uh, under-19s, under-17s tournaments, and they compete against Asia's best referees. And from that uh, list, Asia would then shortlist their cohort to go to FIFA. And then the, the particularly these women have been through a number of selection hurdles over the last three years. So under-17s, under-20s, um, things like the recent uh, Revise uh, Romello Cup in France um, and then also the playoff tournament recently in New Zealand all um, formulate a selection process. So at the end of all of that, uh, our, our match officials have performed strongly enough to get the nod from FIFA. Yeah, you just said something really interesting about the th- like three years like so, because oh, in my mind, I, naively, I was like, oh, probably like a year out and a year and a bit out, they they probably start picking these referees, but no, but they're no. really like working that process like three, four years out from the tournament. Yeah, so the, the men's World Cup, um, the men, for instance, if in a in a normal sort of World Cup cycle, the Asian Cup would be run in the next three months for the men's. The World Cup would have finished in June normally, so within that twelve month cycle. AFC would pick their shortlist and we would start the cycle now for the 2026 World Cup as soon as pretty much now. Wow. So that would be a three-year process for both male and female to get ready for the next World Cup cycle. And once the the whistle finishes uh, at the final in Sydney at the Women's World Cup, we will then be starting to think about our FIFA list for 2024 and who we need to put on now for a 2031 World World Cup tilt. So that's how far ahead you're planning for the for the big major tournaments and just what it also means for each and every referee. It means they're on watch. You're you're monitoring their performances and just as we watch players to see how consistently good they are, um, the same applies in the rationale to discover who are the best referees and how consistent they are. Uh, tell me something, uh, Nathan. Does it give you yep. a big thrill to see the work, the consistency of work uh, that's coming out of the EPL with uh, young Jared Gillett? Look, um, I think Jared Jared was a superstar here in Australia as a referee, if, if you can use that term. And no, no, you can. Best, you can. And he, he was one of our best for a long period. Um, and I, I caught up with Jared recently when I was invited over to spend a week with the Premier League um, in January to see how their operations work from a men's and female uh, women's pathway perspective. Yeah, um, and we caught up for a, um, a quick bite to eat, and you know it's unbelievable to think not that long ago he's here refereeing in the A League, to now refereeing um, arguably the, one of the world's best leagues yeah. now. Yeah. So yeah, seeing just what he's been able to achieve, he also got added to the English FIFA list this year, one of two referees ever in the world to be added to two international lists from two different countries. Uh, Ali Reza Fagani, who's yes. now on the Australian match official list, 
are the two. So effectively, we've imported and exported a match <laughs> official to, to the list. So Australia's played a part in both of those examples of history. But yeah, I think it's it's one of those things that it shows all of our group, George, that um, Australian football is is one avenue, but then you've also got the avenue to go and referee if you're good enough in the world's best leagues. Now, I, I don't think there's anything more exciting knowing that there are no limits or no, no boundaries or no borders, especially in, in this increasingly global world of ours. Uh, the world game, if you, if you aspire and want to be the very best, uh, the idea that, yes, you can, uh, fills me with a great deal of uh, excitement. I, I, I wish him continued success, and I would like to think that there are a whole bundle of young men and women who would also like to aspire and to follow in Jared's footpath? Well, I think think there is. There's so many, I think we're now um, well over eleven thousand registered refs across the country. Wow, we're on a mission to to increase that. But obviously, um, you know, the, one of the great parts of this job is when you get to go to community football as well as the at the other end of the scale and see people do it and giving back to the game and contributing to uh, young participants' experience by being a ref on on the day. So I think, you know, I'm pretty lucky. There's a lot of grounds around the corner from my house and sort of Sunday mornings there's an opportunity to go on, um, see young referees in action, which is actually as exciting as watching those 11 games each week. Have we given enough parents enough advice about, you know, keeping it to themselves and not expressing themselves in, in a manner that's untoward? Or is that well, something we said- still have to break down? As a parent of a young boy about to embark <laughs> on his sporting journey, I, I think we could do. We're gonna. We're looking to do more. Always yep. looking to do more education. Um, but I think one of the things that um, is quite challenging is as you know, new parents come into the system, and as I said, we're embarking on that journey ourselves, trying to regulate the difference between excitement for your child and, yep. and excitement um, at somebody else is probably going to be our challenge too, right? Coming yep. from a Touché. heavily sport, heavily sporting family. So I don't want to pass judgment on those parents until <laughs> I've, I've learned to walk in those shoes, but certainly it's something we've got to look to do is provide more education and more support to clubs um, in a club refereeing sense and, and education for parents to make sure they know um, what the referee is doing as part of their role. Uh, Nathan McGill has been our special guest on FNR's first half hour, the state of our football nation, uh, head of referees, Football Australia. Uh, Rebecca, by the way, would you please thank her? She gave me 15 minutes with you. Um, we've, we've overstepped the mark, but thank you so very much, Nathan. We wish you continued success. Good luck with the upcoming uh, you know, pathways for our young referees and uh, keep us uh, informed about the next initiatives that you're about to roll out, okay? No worries. Thanks for having me today. Pleasure. Nathan McGill joining us on FNR. We're going to take a short break. Another special guest, and in the words of Pakur Frimpong, a seriously talented player who's given her all for her team for a number of years, not just this year. Uh, More about that in just a moment. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Hello and uh, welcome back to the State of Our Football Nation. It's strange that I am introducing us, but uh, George said that I'm well. I'm equipped enough to uh, do this intro. And damn, I, and I, damn straight. And I, and I thank you for it. We, uh, we have got the pleasure of being joined by 
Melbourne victory, star forward, just returned back from injury again that Adelaide game, Leah Privatelli. Leah, thank you for joining us on the show this afternoon. Thanks for having me, guys. No, I appreciate it, Leah. See, George threw me into the deep end with this intro, but I appreciate you sitting through that not-so-great one that I don't do as good a job Leah, as George. Leah, um, you, you should turn to Pakua and say to her, Pakua, you, you shouldn't feel concerned it's about playing the game. Yeah. When we throw you in at the deep end, it's because we know you've got what it takes and you've just got to embrace the challenge. No. Isn't that right? I thought that was a fantastic intro. I, I, I thought I, so. I, hey, I I'm with you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Leah, you made your return back to the victory squad in that Adelaide game. Obviously a tough draw for the side, but how did it feel to be back on the, on the pitch with uh, the rest of the team? Yeah, really good. It was... Um, a bit of an unfortunate injury, not not a super serious one, but one which kept me out for for a game. And I guess we were lucky we had the international break. So just good that um, the physio team and, and the SNCs were, you know, I don't know if I want to call it kind to me, but... but uh, <laughs> so you're saying me. to us, are you saying to us that it could have been a two or three week uh, injury? Uh, it, it now, was in a, other words, it, if we hadn't had a break, you would have missed two yeah. or three games? Yeah. Wow. So it, it it came in a good time, and wow. they took good care of me, and now I'm back. So credit credit to them. Credit um, to them. They're, they're Leah, absolutely if awesome. you don't mind me asking, um, you you've been a part of the victory. You've had some terrific stars. You've had some great performances. Now you've lost a couple of key players in the shape of Alex Chidiak who's gone overseas. I think uh, Kyra Cooney-Cross is also going overseas. Yes, yeah, so she's been there since uh, the start of the season. Been the start of the season, right. So players that you're very accustomed to and you know what they've got, um, what's it like uh, losing them on the cusp of what promised to be yet another exciting year for, for Melbourne victory? Yeah, I think that's just the nature of... Uh, women's football play players come and go, but sure. I've been in the system long enough to to know that um, Jeff's someone who doesn't just bring in one or two good quality players. He he builds a really strong squad um, and has full trust in in absolutely everybody. And you know we all we all train just as hard as each other, and and we push each other for for fighting spots week in and week out. And you know. That's not saying that losing someone like Chids isn't isn't massive because it yeah, absolutely she's massive. is. Yeah, yeah. Um, because she brings much more than just football ability to our group. But yeah, smart, we have a smarts. really yeah we yeah. but we have a really solid group and definitely definitely a group that is is capable of achieving things that we have in the past. Well, you guys obviously have so, so many incredibly talented people. Obviously, the include getting B to the side this season. I've loved watching her play and, and I suggested to Jeff at the post match after the Adelaide game that maybe she should play in the middle since Chids is gone. This but, is the uh, coach this is the assistant coach talking now. And Leah. I, and I and Leah, if I see it on the pitch, I'm telling everybody I came up with that idea and I'm saying it proudly. But um obviously Kayla coming back from injury is almost like a new signing obviously with such amazing skill that she has Jeff spoke about how you're going to need a lot of your leaders heading into the final stretch of this season because much like last season, the top four spot is not solidified yet and, you know, a, a misstep could see you fall out or, you know, things things could work out in different ways. But how important is that leadership that obviously you provide and players like Kayla and things like that are going to 
need to show these younger players to kind of guide them to make the finals? Yeah, massive. Like leadership is, is I guess, can be looked at in, in a couple of different ways, but, you know, being at being at training and and setting a really good standard, uh, our our younger players or players that maybe haven't been in the system for as long as some of us, um, they they lean on us for guidance, and I think they need to see us really, you know, pushing hard and and, and looking at us as role models. Um, but it's not just us that's going to have to step up. It's it's going to be, you know, our oldest player to our youngest player. Everyone's going to need to show some sort of leadership because at the end of the day, we can't hold their hand when we're out in the field. Um, people are just going to need to step up and really show the quality they have because, you know, that they wouldn't be in the team if they didn't have quality. Um, and, and yeah, hopefully um, when the time comes, they can shine. You absolutely do have players of such incredible quality, a massive fan of... Just because of my Melbourne bias, Alana Murphy and Paige Julius, I, I say Forza MPL Victoria any chance I get. But uh, <laughs> Leah, you guys have uh, this season as oh, and also you as well. Why did I forget that you play in MPL Victoria too? You had I, a great I season. I have no uh, idea yeah, why a, you misstep no, no, there, Leah, Miss Forza MPL Victoria. Victoria. This is fantastic. Leah, Maybe please apologies from the rest of us here. No, 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 no. Do you know what it is? I called your games during the MPL as well, so I don't even know why I've like my brains. Are f- I, I apologize, but. Uh, <laughs> Okay, this... let's focus on the long, young talent. I can, I can, I can handle that. The likes of, of Murph and Zoyce are absolute superstars, no, and definitely should be getting the who, attention. Uh, Leah, who's the noisiest one in the in the mob in the in the uh, in the squad? Is it Mayo? Is it Mayo? You can't go past Mayo. You can't. You it, look at her. Is, does she set voice. Does she set a different standard to everyone else? <laughs> In terms of noise, yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, but. She's also the most socially awkward as well. So That's, what an interesting combo. What a combo. Yeah. What a combo. I like that though. When she's comfortable, you can't shut her up is what you're telling me, Leah. Abs- absolutely. Oh, of course. But uh, obviously, Leah, you guys have had some, some young, those young players really step up in, in key moments throughout this season. Obviously, this season has been a, a, more of a different journey for you guys. Obviously, last season, that, that final four spot, because the season was short up, it kind of seemed that you peaked a little bit later, but you peaked almost at like the perfect time last year and got that wave into finals and then, you know, obviously taking it all out. But this season's been really different. It's been rocky at stages. Maybe you haven't found the consistent form at times that you would have liked, but how has that affected the group and how have you guys overcome it to keep going for the next game and, and progress? I think on a whole we're a really positive group and, and we know that, you know, we probably haven't played the best football we're capable of, um, but you can 100% see it in patches of our game. And I think, you know, towards the business end of the season, what we really need to focus on is is being that little bit more consistent and, and patching those, you know, amazing bits of football that we know we have, everyone knows we have, um, into longer stretches. And then we become a team that's really hard to beat. Um, and although... Maybe results ha- haven't shown that. We're definitely not a side to, I guess, put out a contention for finals. We're, we're, we're still in there, but the hard work's up to us. We, we need to put in that hard work and, and show everyone what we're capable of. Uh, Leah's our special guest uh, on FNR State of Our Football Nation, the hardworking uh, team captain of, um, uh, of the women's Melbourne victory side. The thing that fascinates me is with this longer season that Pakua mentioned, have you had to change the way you think 
your way through the, the competition this year because it's now longer? Or have you had to uh, change your training? Has Jeff had to change the training to accommodate the extra, the extra sessions to, so that you're not falling over at the end of the season and that you're peaking at the right time? So you've oh, been there long enough. You have you have yeah. you have an understanding of where I'm coming from. Um, yeah, I think. Can you give us a sense? I think that's more up to our like to Jeff and like our coaching staff yeah, together, sports science know, team. Determining, yeah, determining all our <laughs> loads and and whatnot. Um, for me, I absolutely love it. Like extend the season up longer. Um, Thirty eight games. We, we just we just love training together, playing together. Um, so for me, I don't think I've noticed it as much if there has been a change uh-huh. because I just love being in the group. So if it, if it's more, it, it, it suits suits me better. Um, but, yeah, definitely definitely haven't noticed anything that I've had to change in myself. Um, just make sure I turn up to training every day and, and, and fight, for a, fight for a position in the squad. Who are your champions? Who are the people that you embraced when you were younger and said, I want to be either like them or I, I – they're the people I want to model my game on. Who are your heroes? Well, when I was young, there wasn't a whole heap of, you know, big female um, soccer players. Sure, I understand that. So who did you model yourself on? Oh, this is embarrassing, but love, love Cristiano Ronaldo. He's, hey! That's fair. That's fair. That's, that's, not, fair. that's nothing embarrassing. Leah, Leah, you know what Why do you say it's embarrassing? Know, Leah, it's so fine. Yeah, I think it was so my, my age group. Um, no, yeah, like he was... He was obviously massive when he was playing for for Manchester United. Like everything about him, and you know, it's it's funny how the world works because you know Nani was playing with him, and now Nani's at, at victory. So that was okay. Just pause was- there for a moment. Pause there for a moment. Now that you gave us that insight, what was it like day one when Nani walked in and you were on the either there or thereabouts as part of the club for the initiation and the introductions? Did you, it lose it? Ma- Did you lose it? it, it or did you keep it cool? It was a fangirl moment. It was a fangirl moment. I respect and one oh, of the one of our media managers, they knew that I had a photo when I was like 15 at Old Trafford sitting in front of Nunny's shirt oh. and they bought it up and made no. me show Nunny the photo and I was I was like sweating, um, and I ended up getting a photo with him. So it was, it was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Was it Pav? Did Pav? Did Pav? Did, did Pav do it? Was it Pav? No he, names, he no Pactrol. We're not re- talking about no, Alex. No, no, no. I, I, I can't. I can't. Uh, can't reveal can't, it. No, we, 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 no <laughs> it was it was Toby. It was a, it was oh, Toby. Hey, listen, <laughs> they're the golden moments, Leah, that give football fans a chance to get closer to their heroes. Now that they know that you deep down Manchester United overboard for Ronaldo and Nani, uh, hey, they're going to come even closer and want to be part of, of you know the the fan base that has made Victory such a very successful club over the last decade or so. Um, what what drew you to Victory? Was it a case of you were picked up or you put your hand up and I want to be part of Victory? Well, I was. I'm- I was being a victory fan since A League started, so uh-huh. I was, I was a member at at Mount Victory um, as a kid. My like year six diary or planner was covered <laughs> in Mount Victory stickers. That's like, awesome. I was, I'm loving this. Uh, this is great. Yeah, just just love the club, and then um, 
went went through high school and I was playing for NTC and then finished there, then was just playing local MPL level. Well, it wasn't MPL back then, but it was for Boleyn. Yep. Um, and then things just started happening for me where I got a had a trial at, at Victory in City. So I was trialing at both teams um, at the same time and got invited to pre-season with City and then Jeff offered me my first contract. How fantastic. And that's when... That's when I called Joe Montemoro, who was the coach at, um, at City, City at the time, yeah, yeah. Who, who I knew um, quite well. And I just said to him, look, like I've been offered a contract at, at Victory, but I understand like I've been invited to pre-season. Like, what do you think I should do? And he he was really honest with me. And this was the time when all the Matildas were at City. Yep. Um, he just said, like, Leah, like you'll be, you'll, you'll be training with us, but to develop you need to play games and yep. Victory – Victory is your best option, and it was the best advice uh, I've ever gotten because I haven't looked back and, no. and love working with Jeff. And it's yeah, the past seven seasons or six and a bit seasons has gone really quick, um, and I think that's because I've just loved every minute. Yeah, you that know, says right. Jeff is is a tremendous coach and is probably one of my favourite coaches in the competition. Just understanding the situations and really establishing his teams and setting them up to win, and I and I really really love that. But Obviously, you've you spoke a little bit about Joe Montemurro. That's two great coaches. Oh, absolutely! Two two great minds of football, and I just want to just take from your perspective. What obviously people see the game in different ways, but what did you learn from like Joe and obviously Jeff as well? In in terms of how to see the game, because because if people see the game one way, and then you start talking to a different person, you get different perspectives. But what did you learn from those two? Well, with Joe, I didn't have like a the the amount of time as I've had with Jeff. It was a much shorter experience in terms of just trialing um, with City. But you can just see the amount of knowledge he has, and and no wonder uh, you know he's had such great success. So uh, over in, yeah. in England and Italy, he's and, just yeah. he's a real. He was a marvel know, at Arsenal, and he's been terrific yeah. at Juventus. Yeah, no, no, yeah. you're absolutely right. He's, he's just fantastic. Um, and and with someone like Jeff, like uh, I don't I don't have words for that man because the amount of respect I have for him, he's he's made me the the, the player I am today. And um, we've we've been through a lot of ups and downs together, but just you know he, he's so he works so hard. So um, so Thara, guess- Thara is part of his lexicon. Oh. Uh, absolutely, like uh, that man is so sleep deprived because the amount of, of of work he puts into us, the amount of analysis he puts into in, individual players and opposition, like he's so thorough and he just he has a genuine care. Like he he cares about all of his players and he like it's yeah. I don't know. He's just—I don't have a bad thing to say about him. He's he's just a great guy, great coach, but him as a person as well is. Yeah, he's, he's one of a kind. Uh, Lee is our special guest on State of Our Football Nation. Uh, Melbourne Victory, very big part of your life. Who does your media training? She's good, isn't she? Because you are very, good. very good, and we need to get you back here more often. Thank you very much, Leah. Leah. said, I don't want to do any more media, but I'm too good at it. This is what's happened, Leah. No, no I'm no, serious. No. Damn, you're a good girl. No, I, I love the fact <laughs> that you're giving us – no, no, understand this – one of the hardest things in life is to provide a narrative and to be engaging, and you've done it beautifully. 
So understand that whoever is being in your ear, uh, and if it's natural, bless your mum and dad for providing that nourishment that's given you the confidence to be the person you are today. Because just listening to you almost makes me want to become a Melbourne Victory uh, Liberty League fan. That's fantastic. The only, problem is, in... the only problem is I'm a Melbourne City club yeah, ambassador. Let's not, let's not mention that here. But, but, um, I'm sorry. I, I tried hard, it's Leo. A, but you've got... You, I'm, hey, I've fair. been really supportive. No, you have. You have, Jet. You have. Uh, you have Haven't George. I, Leah? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. She's not talking to but me now. Is, is, is there anything we can do to just no. bring you over to, uh, to the neighbor? I don't think it's possible, Leah. I'm going to be so, so no. honest with you. I do not think it's possible. <laughs> uh, but No, but bless you. You've been terrific. But... Thank you. Leah, obviously, the run into finals is... Key is, time. It, it's a really, really tricky. Obviously, we've got the likes of Perth with a game, a couple games in hand, and, and obviously Canberra's result, Canberra's, the announcement of Canberra getting the three points taken away from them makes eases the pressure up on you guys a little, but they're still kind of in reach, and I think Brisbane might probably just be out of it, but it's very tight for that race for, to, for top four what do you do now as a as a squad? Are you focusing on it game by game or are you looking at it, like how do you look at it to the, the run home? I think it's really important just to focus on us. We, we you know, point. other games are, are out of our hand and, you know, what will be will be with them, but everything comes down to us. We we need to worry about ourselves and, and making sure that, like I said earlier, making those moments of football last a little bit longer for us because – the longer they are, the harder we are to beat. Um, so yeah, it's it's game by game, um, and and focusing on us and and how we can best prepare for the opposition we have the following game. Uh, speak to us about the distribution of games. How many are away? How many are home? Or is it just about uh, even? You're testing me. So we've got homes, um, city. Yep. And then we've got Canberra, um, away. I believe Brisbane home and then Wellington away. Okay, so, so it's an even split. An even well, look, what you touched on earlier, the most important thing you said there was it's up to us. Don't look over your shoulder. Don't worry about what the others are doing. If you do what you have to do, then you know full well you'll get the results, you'll get the cherries, and you'll be in prime place or prime position to really make an assault on the title. And I, while I speak, I'm watching Pakur just smile no, uh, this broader smile do you know all the why? time. Do you know what why is I'm smiling, it? Jeff, uh, um, Georgia? Because, because, so, Leah, I've got Miranda Templeman as my co-host tonight for <laughs> Radio Dub. And Miranda's number one number one co-host on Radio Dub. Now, help us, help me out here. Is there a way I can stitch her up? What's the question <laughs> I need to ask to stitch her up on How air? cheeky are you? Ah, that's come to the wrong person. <gasps> Randy, oh. Randy's a legend. Okay. She's fantastic. She's, she's a, a fellow Border Collie owner. Um, just like myself, so um, we bond over dogs. But no, well, yeah, I'm, but I'm they're not a fabulous gonna, breed. They're that. a fabulous All breed. Right, I appreciate. No, what I, colour absolutely. is your dog? I've got a blue male. Blue male. Nice. Yeah, they are magnificent. They are seriously the most intelligent dogs on the planet, and they've been geared over the centuries to do important things like round up all the troublemakers. <laughs> now, do you do that at the club? Do you round up all the troublemakers and say to them, now listen, we've got to set the record straight and give Jeff all the support he needs. Is that your job? I don't, I don't want to say officially, this, 
Uh, but the moment I step in, I always get told off for the, the teacher in me coming out. <laughs> I love that. Um, That's great. That's so great. Just I do it silently. Not, so, not in front you, of are everyone. you like Leah? Are you like you give a look kind of thing, oh, or do you, is it like words? Because like I know there's some people who like they'll just give you a look, and you just know that you're doing the wrong thing, and you need to just like relax for a second, or like they'll tell certain, you certain people. So the likes of someone like Maya, absolutely, she'll <laughs> cop a look, and she knows <laughs> that it's time to reel it in. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. But, but I want to talk really, really quickly about obviously that moment last season in the final where, you know, you got Kayla up on that stage and, and, and it's such a, such a beautiful moment, obviously, because Kayla is unfortunate to get AC, an ACL injury in like the first game of the season. And I was so ready. I was so ready to see her. I was like, this, she's going to, she's going to get into that Matilda squad if we get, you know, this, all the paperwork done. But was that something you planned or like, I've always, I just wanted to know, is it something you planned or did you just kind of think of it on the spot? If he was on the spot, you're an amazing person to think about it straight away. Um, I just remember, like, after the game, it was crazy. Like, we were all, all just over the moon and it was just this incredible feeling. And then um, Alex Pav came up to me. He's like, oh, okay, like, you're, you're going to have to do a speech. These are the things you need to say. And he handed me this card and I was like, no, nah, I don't want the card. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll wing it. And then, and then, yeah, I, I was up there, and I I walked past um, Kayla when I was going up for the medal, and I was just thinking, nah, this like something in this doesn't feel right. I felt that she needed, she needed to be recognised for what she had done with us through that season, and and everything that she had been put through, um, and she was the one who was meant to be going up there doing the speech. It hundred percent wasn't me. I'm not. I'm not built for built for that. Kayla is just she's our club captain, and I, I was thrown in there in a very unfortunate circumstance, <laughs> and it was it was a very it was it was a very hard season for me. Like I I found jumping into that role really different mm. um, because I I had to I felt like I had to go to a different level, and Kayla does that so naturally. Mm. So I just felt it it was right. Um, and yeah, I'd, I think I'd seen it. I'd seen it done um, in the AFL. Um, the, the the Western yeah. Bulldogs, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, speaking of yeah. of seeing it done elsewhere, uh, Leah Privatelli is our, our special guest on uh, FNR's State of Our Football Nation. Uh, Pakua Frimpong is running the console. George Danikian alongside her, uh, Leah. I can remember uh, a player grabbing a cart given to them by a media team member. The, the, the player concern was Bruno Fornaroli. We had just won the FA Cup, as it was, not the FA Cup, the, um, the what is the now Australia the Australia Cup. Cup, the FA Cup. And he proceeded to, to, to speak not only what he thought was on the card, but above and beyond the card. So when you threw the card away or said no to the card, I thought... Very smart young woman. The last thing just, you want is no. to, to be given a series of things to have to address. Just, just speak from the heart. Yeah, it needed to be. It needed to be what I felt at the time. And Authentic. Was, you know, a list of a list of sponsors and yep. and people I need to thank. And I was like, yep, yeah, that like I know what to do there, <laughs> um, but I didn't want it to feel like scripted. No, no, um, well done. You mean like this, like this interview? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's exactly. exactly right. If it's scripted, we've we've done it fantastically. <laughs> we've done it with some of our best oh, work. Oh, Privatelli. Listen, um, uh, it's Melbourne City this weekend. It's Monday, is it? When do you play? Monday. Monday. Uh, is it uh, at uh, Amy Park? It or is, right? It is an Amy, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yep. Three you, you love that ground, don't you? Sure do. You love. You yeah. actually grow a leg on. Uh, no, on it's, it's the. You, no, they it's they the love best. it. It's they, the best. They, it's the best. Amy is great. So, what time is the game? If people want to get along and, and uh, watch this blockbuster between City and Victory on Monday, what time is it? Three fifteen. Okay. Three Never watching. let it be said we're not supporting the game no, and no, not supporting I, the women. I will not be there because I have work, but I will certainly oh, be watching it on my phone secretly. At work, that is what right. I'll be doing, and I will enjoy it because it'll be a great game. And it is. I sport. might rock City along. Are, City I might th- go down. Yeah, City are third on, and you guys are fourth at the moment. So it matters for both your seasons in terms of uh, the race. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for extending uh, some insight and giving us a chance to, you know, build up some brownie points about other players. And once again, to you and the team, and your coach, to Jeff, wish him all the very, very best, and to you. May the rest of the season be uh, terrific and stay fit. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Leah. Leah Previtelli. She's good. She's fantastic. Very good. So this was your choice to bring Leah on board, was it? Absolutely. Well, we've, we've had uh, Leah. We've been, I'll give we've you a been, 10 uh, for that. That was been, outstanding. We've had the pleasure of having Leah on uh, Radio Dub oh, uh, in our so, first season. So, so you, you know, made it as simple hey, as possible George, for yourself. George, I already, I already know who the stars are of the league. And <laughs> we had to get one. This, come on. It's an easy W for us. All right. Okay. Uh, before we go, uh, which game are you calling this week? Uh, I am doing the Brisbane-Western United game on Saturday at 3 o'clock. All right. Okay. Um, can I, we just add before we go, I saw a fantastic contest in Adelaide at Hindmarsh last week. Um, I watched one of the hottest teams in the competition, the Adelaide Reds, with their array of youngsters uh, take on City, and City hit the hit the back of the net first. But from that moment on, uh, we watched Adelaide really rip it up. Yeah, they've got some super talent. Well, Iran Gundar and oh, that, that guy is and special. We, can I just say something? I have a I have reason to believe. He hasn't touched the sides yet. Oh, no, I think he's only – and he's so young. What is he, 17? Yeah. Yeah, he's fantastic. And uh, I'm a big, uh, big, big fan of, of his work. I, I like what's up here. Yeah. Yeah, he looks, he looks the goods. Yeah. And bless uh, all those people at Adelaide who are under Carl Viet doing a tremendous job. Everyone seems to be on the, on the same page and we're getting a crop of youngsters and we're seeing so much diversity. Yeah. We are. We certainly are. Yeah? It's, it's, it's fantastic to see in this league, and, okay. and I think that's, that's all we want. Terrific stuff. Thank you for joining us. This has been State of Our Football Nation with Bakur Frimpong and George Danikian. Until next week. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.